Wouldn't it be nice to be rich? We probably represent all different sorts of income levels here among the members and guests at Grace. If we'd compare our net worths, we'd find a a pretty wide variety. And yet I suspect that we all, or at least almost all, have this in common, that we at times have thought, have considered, how nice it would be to have at least a little bit more. For some, maybe that means we want to save up a decent emergency fund so we don't have to keep being worried about, will I make it to the next paycheck? Will that hold out for me? For others, maybe it means wishing we could afford a nicer car or a bigger house. Maybe it means being truly set and comfortable that we can retire when we want to the way that we want to. Or perhaps it just means having having fewer decisions that we need to make about what I can or cannot afford. And obviously, having more money means I can afford more. And all that is to say that whether we have a good deal of accumulated wealth or not, we probably have something in common with the man who had a conversation with Jesus as recorded in our gospel today from Mark chapter 10. Mark really doesn't tell us a whole lot about this man. He simply calls him a man. And then we learn through the conversation and through the the commentary about it that he was a rich man. The gospel writers Matthew and Luke also talk about this encounter and they tell us that this man was not only rich, he was also young, he was also a ruler. And so this encounter between Jesus and the rich young ruler shows us how Jesus has done all things well, including this, overcoming our greed. Jesus overcomes greed, first of all, by teaching the truth. As we listen in on this conversation, Jesus' conversation with the rich young ruler, we see how Jesus teaches him and the disciples the truth about greed. The man comes to Jesus at the start of a journey. He asks him about eternal life. And he's come to the right place, hasn't he? Who knows more about how to reach heaven than Jesus? And so the rich young ruler begins with the question, good teacher, what must I do? But Jesus doesn't exactly answer him, at least not right away, at least not directly, does he? First, Jesus invites the man to consider why he should trust what Jesus has to say. The man called Jesus a good teacher. Jesus says only God is good. And it seems likely the rich man probably did not realize exactly how profound his statement was when he called Jesus good. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is the good teacher. The young man wants to know how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus knows very well how to get people to heaven. 
The man in this mindset of, of how do I earn, how do I accomplish my salvation, here's the answer from Jesus. You know you need to keep the commandments. And Jesus even gives a few examples, mentions some, not all, of God's commandments. And the man answers, Teacher, I have kept these since I was a child. Now, it's very likely that this young, rich man had never murdered someone. He probably had not been unfaithful to a spouse. He probably honored his father and his mother at least most of the time. And Jesus could have stopped right there and he could have explained to him more details of how to apply the commandments to his life. Kind of like Jesus did in his famous Sermon on the Mount where he really explained to people that it's not just about keeping these outward actions, but the commandments also refer to our thoughts and our attitudes as well. But Jesus didn't respond that way. He doesn't argue about whether the man had really kept all of these commandments. And he doesn't do this because Jesus knows the real issue. He knows the big issue for this particular man. And the big issue is this, that the man loves his wealth. He hasn't really kept the first commandment. The greatest, the most important of all the commandments, you shall have no other gods. For this rich young man, wealth was his God. He loved it. He trusted it. He, he relied on it. But he came to Jesus to ask about eternal life. And Jesus loved him. Mark tells us that when he heard the answer about keeping the commandments, Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The rich young ruler learned what Jesus was teaching. He was sad, he grieved, he walked away. He was a rich man who could not imagine getting rid of everything he owned, and so he chose his earthly wealth over salvation. He walked away literally from his Savior. He couldn't recognize what was truly valuable in comparison. How could that be? Well, put yourself in that man's shoes. Jesus says to you, go sell everything you have. Give it away to the poor. Then come follow me. What would you do? not an easy question to answer, is it? Thinking about it like that helps us realize just how strong a connection we often feel to our earthly wealth. 
And I know, I realize that God hasn't asked this of all of us, sell, give it away. He hasn't suggested that we walk away from the blessings that he has given to us. But he does ask us to keep him in the number one place in our hearts and in the number one place in our lives. And our own greed is a real threat to that. Jesus warns just how big a threat greed is to faith when he explains how hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And that statement surprises the disciples. And so Jesus adds to it. He says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You can find at times people who try to explain away what Jesus says here. They say he's referring to a certain gate in Jerusalem that was called the eye of the needle, and it was hard for a camel to get low enough to to slide through that gate, but that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that a camel, a huge animal, is not able to make it through the eye of a needle, that tiny opening thread. And in comparison, that is easier than for a rich man to enter heaven. It's hard enough at times to get a thread through the eye of a needle, to say nothing about animals of any size. That's why Jesus' disciples are astonished. They got it. They understood this is impossible. They asked how anybody could be saved. If it's that hard for a rich man, well, wouldn't it still be hard for somebody in the middle class or even for those who are barely scraping by? It's impossible. But Jesus overcomes greed by doing the impossible. The account of this rich young ruler, it's a very sad account. That man walked away from the eternal life that he had come to ask Jesus about. But it's not a hopeless account. All hope is not lost for all people the way that the disciples feared. And Jesus offers this reassurance. For people, it's impossible but not for God, because all things are possible for God. Jesus does the impossible by overcoming the greed in our hearts. Overcoming greedy hearts in people and leading them to God. He does the impossible by sending His Holy Spirit to change those hearts, to change our lives for people who are or may become rich, for people who are or may become poor, and for everyone in between. And Jesus did the impossible in order to accomplish forgiveness for a world of sinful, a world of greedy people. He did the impossible when he was born of a virgin. He did what was impossible for the rest of us when he kept God's commands perfectly. 
He lived a whole life without even an instance of greed. And he accomplished forgiveness by offering his perfect life on the cross. And he did the impossible again when he rose from the dead in victory. So when the disciples ask, who then can be saved? The answer isn't, no one. It's impossible. The answer is that Jesus died to take away the sins of the world. And everyone who believes in him has eternal life. God calls sinners. God calls greedy, selfish individuals to trust Christ and his sacrifice. He changes those hearts. He changes those minds. He makes believers and gives them forgiveness and eternal life. And that is true of rich, of middle class, of poor, and people of every financial position that we could even think of. He calls all of us to love God more. He calls on us to be willing to give up our wealth if that would be necessary. To be generous with our wealth in serving and helping others, in sharing the gospel. And Jesus does the impossible and changes us from, from greedy to generous in His name. What does it mean to be rich? When we discuss earthly wealth, there could be some disagreement. How much is enough? How much do we have to have to be considered rich? But real riches aren't the earthly ones. Real riches are to have, to know, and to love God through what He has done for us to have eternal life as your very own. That's what makes us truly rich, or as Jesus calls it, having treasures in heaven. What makes us truly rich is that Jesus was rich toward us. He overcame our greed by teaching us the truth. He overcomes our greed by doing the impossible. And so we praise Him. We praise Him with our lips. We praise Him through our lives because we do have true riches now and forever. Amen.